The Perinatal Mental Health Team at Transformation Partners in Health and Care have created a series of podcasts that focus on perinatal mental health. The perinatal period is usually defined as the time between conceiving a baby and one to two years after giving birth. We know that during this time, around one in every five women will experience mental health problems, which may begin in pregnancy, during pregnancy, or in the postnatal period. Perinatal mental health is different for everyone, and people can be infected in many ways. It can often be difficult to recognise the worsening symptoms in the busy days of parenthood. Getting the right help, support and guidance is vital, but we know that sometimes it can be hard to know where to find it and how to access it. We understand the importance of beginning and continuing conversations around perinatal mental health. By raising awareness of the impact that perinatal mental health problems can have for women, birthing people and their families, and also showing the effect that the right care can have, we hope that we will be able to reach more people, challenge perceptions and change attitudes towards accessing help. In this episode, we are going to focus on the role that specialist midwives play in supporting women to get the right perinatal mental health support for their needs. And we're delighted to welcome Laura Bridal, a specialist midwife. Alongside me is also Chelsea. Chelsea is the mother of two young girls, a military wife, has worked as a midwife for three years and now worked, works as a lived experience practitioner for Transformation Partners in Health and Care. And me, Megan Matheson, Strategic Communications Manager at TPHC and a mother of a little girl born during the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic. As you listen to our chat today, you may feel you identify and relate to what we're discussing and want to find support. We encourage you to use our website to find support that is local to you. TPHC is not a crisis service. And so in the first instance, we would encourage you to contact your GP, midwife or local services to support you. So welcome to Laura. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I think it would be great if we could start with hearing a little bit about you and how you came to be a specialist midwife. Sure. Thanks, Megan, for inviting me and Chelsea. Um, so I'm Laura. I'm a midwife and I've been qualified um, for 13 years now. I worked as a caseload midwife, so I got to follow women and birthing people from their first pregnancy appointment all the way till about one month post-birth. Um, and I did that for five and a half years and I worked abroad for a little bit and then came back and finished my master's and went into becoming a specialist mental health midwife working for an NHS trust in London. And I did that for five years um, and loved it and have now moved over to the new maternal mental health service um, where I work across a, a larger spectrum of areas um, covering uh, South London. Thanks, Laura. Um, wow, you've not done anything at all, really, in those years, have you? <laughs> it's amazing. And I think thanks for explaining the different roles. And um, we'll go a bit more into them, because I think most people listening, when we think of midwife, we just think of the one you meet in the hospital that delivers your baby or did your antenatal care. 
Um, but as we continued, we know that midwives are best placed to support women and birthing people through these journeys. And we've now moved them into um, specialist mental health roles. So if you could, could you just tell us a little bit about the difference between the maternal mental health midwife and the perinatal mental health midwife? Yeah, of course. So I'll start with perinatal mental health because that role has been around a lot longer. Um, so a mental health midwife, it, there should be one in every single trust. Um, and that midwife is there to support women and birthing people, but also staff help facilitate training because it's it's odd, you know, when midwives go into their training, they go to university for three years and there might be a day or two on mental health. Um, but there's not really that much discussion on it, even though we know from reports and from speaking to women that actually mental health has a huge impact, not just only on pregnancy, but post-birth. And then you're learning after learning after to look after this new baby. So how important your mental health is. Um, so when these roles were kind of created and, and have kind of expanded now, um, each kind of trust mental health midwife will work slightly differently because they kind of work for the need of their service. For example, the way I worked, um, we had a larger caseload of women who came from out of area. So that was kind of my focus was supporting women coming from out of area that were booking at our hospital um, and giving them continuity. So I would see them through their whole antenatal period. So from their booking appointment up until the birth and then being able to signpost them to their postnatal support, because that's so, so important, as we know. Um, and I was also responsible for doing education and training for the midwives and obstetricians and maternity support workers. And I would do that alongside a psychiatrist, a psychologist, because the parenting mental health teams are so crucial in this. Um, it's really important that we kind of do joined up learning and joined up working together. Also quite nice, I'm sure Chelsea, you know, you work with these teams, you send referral forms in, but you don't know who they are. So being able to put a face to a name in the training kind of breaks down that barrier. So the midwife or obstetrician could call the psychiatrist and say, oh, I'm a little bit worried about this woman, what should I do? Or this woman's considering this, but she's a bit nervous about being referred to mental health teams because sometimes there's still a bit of a stigma. So being able to have that kind of joined up working through the training is really, really helpful. Um, I also used to teach water aerobics classes for me with mental health. Um, we used to do art therapy. Um, we used to do um, signposting. So with mental health, it's a whole spectrum, like most things. Um, some women might have mild, um, moderate to severe mental health. And a more severe would be something like bipolar, schizophrenia, um, severe postnatal depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, eating disorders. There's a whole spectrum of what mental health could be in a more serious context. And those women and birthing people tend to be supported by a specialist perinatal mental health team. And they do tend to get really good support that way because a perinatal mental health team will have a psychiatrist, psychologist, mental health nurse, and OT that kind of helps social aspect of getting you back into groups and meeting other people, and nursery nurses, which really help with bonding once baby's here. And then there's that other group of women, which is actually the majority of women who have the more mild to moderate. So the depression, anxiety, low mood, possibly something called tocophobia, which is fear of birth. Um, and those women sometimes kind of slip through the net. Um, so signposting for those women is really helpful, especially through things like third sectors. So third sectors like our charity run organizations like Mindful Mums or Homestart, Pandas. 
and lots of other organizations. And that's kind of where the maternal mental health service was kind of created because there was this gap in provision for women and especially for women in the four pathways that the maternal mental health service um, focuses on. So they have four pathways. Um, there's tocophobia, which is a severe fear of birth, and you can have primary or secondary tocophobia. It's about 14% of the population will have tocophobia. Um, and if it's primary, it means you've never given birth before. So even the idea of becoming pregnant might have been quite scary for you. It might have taken a long time to get to this point. And then the actual thought of birth, birth can be quite terrifying for you. And other women and birthing people might have something called secondary tocophobia, which is where they have given birth before. And that experience of birth has caused them to be um, extremely fearful for their future pregnancies. Um, so that's one of the pathways for the maternal mental health service is supporting those women and birthing people. Another pathway is birth trauma. So if they've had um, quite um, an un un unhelpful experience with their birth, um, and I, I'm, I'm hesitating and stuttering because birth trauma is like pain. So what a midwife might think a birth trauma is or what a birth might be is seen as traumatic isn't always the same for every woman or birthing person. So birth trauma can doesn't really have a clear definition, in my opinion. It's kind of just what the woman says it is. Um, I was a home birth midwife for many years, um, you know, and I've had people who I thought, oh, that was such a lovely, wonderful birth. And they've said, actually, Laura, that was really scary for me. So it's really listening to the woman and birthing person and deciding how they found that birthing experience. And if they've and got a more... Sorry, I go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think that's a really important point to note across, you know, all of our discussions that we're going to have and all of the podcasts and topics that may come up that, you know, what what the definition says um, is is different and varies for every woman. And I think you raising that point and mentioning that um, it's it's that individual need and that individual experience that you look to and work around is is something really important. I think a lot of people uh, will really appreciate knowing that professionals like you are aware of that and understand that levels of all of these issues are can vary hugely. Um, and just as you say, like some some people would find certain things painful and others wouldn't it still goes, it, you know, it links with with trauma and other fears and anxiety as well. So I think that's a really important um, message to to say. Yeah, 100% agree. When, when I did, I was a nurse first. <laughs> and I when I did my nursing, we were always drilled into our head, you know, pain is whatever the patient says it is. Yeah. So I kind of try and remember that with birth. So even though I would think, oh, gosh, that was a really traumatic birth, you know, that woman must be really affected and they're like no I'm fine <laughs> and like you know so I think it's listening to them and Absolutely. Um, yeah and the, and although the maternal mental health services are focused for women who have the more severe end of a reaction to that experience at their birth and um, some more severe PTSD symptoms that doesn't mean that the maternal mental health service doesn't do anything to kind of help support the other areas so the kind of do linking with third sector that we talked about at the beginning about linking with charities and other forms of support talking therapies so I think that's important to note that the maternal mental health services from the more moderate to severe yeah um and then the other pathway 
is for women who've experienced loss um, and lost the whole spectrum of loss. So from those women who've had to have a termination for whatever reason, for women who've had early pregnancy loss, stillbirth, neonatal death. Um, historically, those women, even if they were under a perinatal mental health team, if their pregnancy or baby has sadly died, then they would have been discharged from perinatal mental health team because a perinatal mental health team holds themselves as like a service to help with bonding relationships. Um, and it was such um, a really harsh thing for me as a mental health midwife to be supporting someone and then those services kind of fade away when they've gone through such a traumatic time. Mm. So I think it's really crucial that these maternal mental health services are open to those women and birthing people. And some of those maternal mental health services will also be open to partners because um, we okay. know the important role that fathers and non-birthing mothers play. Um, you know, they might have found a birth traumatic. They might have, they've lost a baby or a pregnancy. So they're not kind of forgotten within the system. Yeah. Uh, and then the last pathway is for women and birthing people who have um children removed due to social care and this is such an unmet need for such a long time you can you, know, you can imagine that for whatever reason these women have had the decision to have their child taken away from them and um they have all this input in pregnancy they see a midwife they see a counselor they have social services they have all this input um and then if the baby is separated then they just lose all of that it's just all taken away and we know from reports that those women are the most at risk for severe mental health and crisis. So it's a much, 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 much needed service for those women as well. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of how it got developed and how it's slightly different. So it's kind of like filling the gap, mind the gap for the Londoners <laughs> to try and um, <laughs> to improve things. Yeah, that was um, that was a really brilliant and detailed overview. Um, and what you explained was such a wide range of therapies and variation in terms of levels of support and care and referrals to other disciplines and healthcare professionals, which I think a lot of people won't know um, is necessarily available. Um, and these, you know, these services are relatively new, but exactly as you said, are filling such an unmet need um, and doing such important work for so many women who have experienced as you say loss or trauma or have differing levels of anxiety and fear around all of this and um there is more information about all of these all four pathways and the services on um our website which is transformationpartnersinhealthandcare.nhs.uk if anyone wants more information on that um chelsea did you want to did you want to come in on that yeah i did um, i'm just digesting everything you said laura because i think you've placed it so nicely um what different midwives can do um and it's really important for even the other healthcare professionals to know where to go and to, to turn to. But I, I just love that you you really broke it down to what it was like for the women or birthing person experiencing their maternity journey, because I think it's so difficult as a healthcare professional um, to see the different levels of struggling and the different levels of anxiety and depression and not always have an appropriate service for people to go to. And, you know, with these new maternal mental health services, 
they really are trying to meet the broadest range of, of experiences from the maternity journey. So thank you for breaking those down. Do you want to say a little bit more of kind of what you now do in, in this new maternal mental health service? So I guess a bit of a, a day in a life. So I'm a woman and I'm coming to meet you and you as my midwife in this service. Um, what would it look like? Yeah, so I feel very privileged because no day is the same. Um, so it's just so enjoyable. Um, I see myself more as um, a cheerleader almost and PA for because I'm working across three big trusts now um, and a key part of my role has been ensuring equity so it doesn't matter where in South London a family might turn up that they would get the same level of care for their mental health. So I've been working with the specialist mental health midwives in each of those sites making sure they're full-time making sure they have access to training for them because like I said you know university it was like a day or two so making sure they have the skills and tools to support women and birthing people well um, and a real joy of this job has been working with women and birthing people with lived experience to help shape the service so the service I work in has been up and running for just over a month um, so they've been but we've had lived experience um, with us from the beginning, so developing the, the leaflets, how the service should run, um, making sure that we're going out into communities so other services are aware of us. Because one thing that quite often happens is there's this thought that there's this hard to reach group, but actually services are being harder to reach. And we've been able to work really closely with other services like the public health team, um, GPs, third sector support to be able to go into different children's centres, faith groups to kind of say, this is the service that's starting up. How would it be helpful to run? Um, so that was kind of my job until five months ago. Um, and now it's kind of maintaining those relationships um, and working with the specialist bereavement midwives and mental health midwives. Um, but then also working alongside my team, which are mainly psychologists and if anyone has ever met a psychologist they're just wonderful humans <laughs> and they're great listeners which is good um, and they are the ones who are offering the therapy to women and birthing people and that can range from CBT to um, e EMDR to um, group therapy different each maternal mental health service certainly works slightly differently um, and then I work alongside them so our focus at the minute for our team because every maternal mental health service might work slightly differently as we start to evolve, is around loss. So I'm helping work alongside if they're pregnant following a loss and being around for advice and support. Um, we're developing a pregnancy after loss a journaling group um, through art therapy and writing. Um, and I'm also around to help organise things like debrief pathways if that's needed. Um, and I'm around if um, somebody wants to go back into the hospital, maybe they haven't been back in since their loss. It can be quite nerve wracking. So just kind of being there for them. And can also I, working along. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, yeah. Can I ask you a little bit more about that? Um, I think, uh, you know, listening to this is absolutely fascinating. All of the aspects of care that are available that you wouldn't necessarily think are uh, within within the NHS um, and one of them which I wondered if you could say a little bit more about was that that debrief debrief pathway that you mentioned and um, discuss a, a little bit about that and perhaps if if you've seen more of an increase in that in terms of post-Covid and and the effect 
that the the pandemic has had on that as it you know amplified things more yeah a hundred percent I was talking to Chelsea about this before you know unfortunately with COVID because of all the restrictions that were put in place people having to birth on their own having to go to scans on their own you know not being able to be around their family we definitely saw a huge increase in anxiety um and in of course birth trauma um so the one of the works one of the projects i've been working on um in the area where i'm working is to kind of um make that easier to find out what support is available for women or birthing person who might want birth debrief um and that kind of looks different to, depending on where they are depending on how well they are um because it might be something that a consultant midwife could offer which is a very senior midwife who specializes in being able to support women through something like birth trauma to kind of go through their notes talk about how they felt about it and then a really great tool for us as healthcare professionals is a consultant midwife or a professional midwifery advocate sometimes does this role um they can then feedback themes to us as staff within our training about thinking about language how that felt for that family and how we can kind of improve the care we're giving. Um, it might be through an obstetrician um, and it could also be through um, the maternal mental health service, like a long psychological therapy. It sounds Thanks. like it sounds like the services are evolving all the time and the links that you have with women and birthing people to shape the services and meet people's needs is it just sounds amazing sorry Chelsea no that's what I was gonna say I said I love you know you know as being a lived experience practitioner I love when you know we're brought in and if anybody's listening and doesn't I mean it's it's a lot of words for what we do but is just asking women and birthing people what was the service like how how do we make it better um what was your experience and it's it's great that there's the other side of that as well because it's you know, Laura, you'll know this, it's such a negative culture and climate around midwives right now. Um, and this really just goes to show how varied the role is and and how much, you know, they, they do want to make experiences better. Um, and especially with the roles like the consultant and the PMA, um, really he- feeding back those themes, not only from women, but what staff need to do and what they need to be trained in to to better support people is you know, that's that you can't ask much more from services. Um, and yeah, you're just everything you're doing sounds amazing. And I know COVID really amplified um, the climate for midwives working in it. It became a lot harder, but also amplified the the negative experiences that women were feeling. Um, and you talked about the need for more kinds of birth reflections and and breaking down what did happen. Was there anything else? Um, I know you and I have talked a lot about this, that we noticed the increase of um, intrusive thoughts and and what that meant for women. Because again, when you break down the experience of birth trauma, it's so different. But I think maternal OCD and just the, the word intrusive thoughts um, has a lot of different definitions and, and spectrums to it. I think I, just before you jump in, Laura, I'd say yeah. that I think we were having a discussion about this the other day and uh, intrusive thoughts sounds quite 
scary and I think a lot of women would think oh no you know that's not what I've been having or that that you know it's something similar but not quite that and this goes back to the point that you were making at the beginning where um, women's experiences are very different in terms of pain and how they would perceive something and I think intrusive thoughts is one of those as well I don't think that um, women realize sort of what what they necessarily are or that those things that they're thinking and feeling might might be that and I think it's quite a scary um, word and phrase to sort of say yes to Um, is that you know I guess is that the experience that you've seen from women as you said you know not necessarily wanting to say uh, be, be you know be referred further or say yes I think that's me or is you know is that what this is is this what I'm thinking 100% and even even in midwifery world when we first started doing the standalone training about the different um diagnosis around mental illness um maternal OCD people just think of like you know they wash their hands a lot they don't realize that actually it's much more than that um and then on the flip side for a woman or birthing person to say to a midwife they might have met once or twice or might have been seen for the first time postnatally when they haven't slept for a few days, the chance of them opening up to that midwife is is really difficult. It's such a, a brave thing to do. And then so you need that midwife to react well if you know yeah. if you if you open up like that. So I think that's been really important part of um the role of the perinatal mental health midwife and the maternal mental health service is is making sure that midwives are equipped to know what those thoughts are but also supporting women because we all have intrusive thoughts you know um you might think when you're walking down the street that oh I wonder what would happen if I fell right now if I jumped in front of that car what would happen then think why did I think that and then you just ignore <laughs> it and carry on um so those are normal completely normal weird thoughts that we have um but in pregnancy and postnatally what can happen is those thoughts can come into our head around the baby mm-hmm. um and they can ruminate, so they keep coming back, coming back, coming back, so you can't let go of those thoughts, and they can become quite terrifying. So, for example, I had someone before who didn't want to leave her house because she was scared that if she went outside, she might step step in dog feces and then walk back into her house, and it, the dog feces would end up on the carpet, and then she could fall over and touch the carpet, and then she could accidentally touch her face and ingest it and then poison her baby. So these thoughts that would just spiral around in her head and make her absolutely terrified so that she didn't go outside other people who would pick their baby up and think what would happen is if I if I threw the baby out the window even though they had no intention at all of doing that this thought would come in their head and they would start to think what is wrong with me like I I I must be a horrible mother and they aren't they are not I I think as well those thoughts are thoughts that you know if women are having them or birthing people are having them they don't want to say them out loud Mm -hmm. because it's again I think it's one of those issues that isn't talked about very much um and it's quite a hard thing to say to someone uh you know even a, a midwife you might not have met them before and you are sleep deprived and you're having these thoughts and you think I can't possibly say that out loud to someone that I'm thinking that because what is going to be what's going to be the reaction and what is going to be the consequence but actually you know for you and 
other midwives to say that is completely normal um and you you know you're not alone i think it's so important for people to hear 100 percent. and i think to to reassure women if you are having these thoughts please do speak to someone because we can help you to get support um and there's even a dedicated website and it was created about 10 years ago called maternal ocd which is just full of a wealth of information from women with lived experience we can go and read their stories and think oh I'm not alone. There's not anything wrong with me. I just need a bit of support to get well. And ironically, I was saying to Chelsea, as we were just talking about this, they've just developed a really helpful booklet to celebrate their 10 year anniversary, which has got podcasts on it, stories, where to get help, what kind of help is available if you're having intrusive thoughts. Um, and, and I guess the big, big message is, is a like, a don't feel alone. There's not you're not a bad mother um, and, and there is help out there. And we Definitely. will, yeah, we will link, uh, we will link to that um, and to all the websites that you've mentioned um, as well. Great. Thanks, Meg and Laura. And yeah, totally echoing that. I've, you know, in my own circle of friends, you know, that that first conversation of, of, are you having these thoughts is even scary. So I know going to a, a healthcare professional and saying it, um, but I was just trying to look up the percentage. Um, I think it, the link of it, it says over 90% of women do have these intrusive thoughts, but it definitely, there, there's a, a really good um, quote that I tried to find of, you know, your thoughts are not what you actually want to do. There's there's really little relationship between between your thoughts and, and your actions. And it's, you know, it's, it's women knowing that if they come to you, it's not an immediate kind of safeguarding red flag or anything. It, it is just saying, these are sometimes normal things that happen um, while you're pregnant or or postnatally. Um, I don't know if you know the the actual stats of it, Laura, um, but it is it is really high of people that do have intrusive thoughts during this the perinatal period. I think it is about ninety percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, yeah, definitely. Because I think it, even outside of normal life, like you know, yeah. we all have them. It's just that we have the ability to just say at that moment, be like, what was that? I'm ignoring it. I'm not even, maybe not even acknowledging it, just carrying on with your life. Like, what was that? I'm ignoring it. So it's, it's the I inability think... where it like keeps coming back and it affects your sleep, it affects your ability to want to change your baby or hold your baby because you're scared of those thoughts. That's when it becomes problematic and we, we want to offer support to help you get better. And I think that um, this is there's there's many taboos and many myths and many issues that aren't spoken about enough and that people feel ashamed of. And I think this is probably one of the biggest because, you know, as a as a first time mum, I'd never heard about this. I never knew anything about this. It wasn't mentioned. Uh, I didn't I hadn't heard about it at all. And so I think it's you know, I think a lot of um the understanding comes from women trying to do their own little bit of research at whatever time in the morning, sleep <laughs> deprived and terrified. Um, and so by having these conversations and, you know, for both you and Chelsea to say that this is this is normal, this happens. Um, you know, you might need a little bit of extra support or you might not. But, but this is this is OK. I think that is a massive and really important statement and fact for for women and birthing people to be to be aware of. Um, and I just wonder for people that are listening that maybe are 
you know, knew a little bit about this, didn't know anything about this, sort of what what happens next, you know, once you've, I guess, spoken to someone about this or you want to speak to someone about this, what what should you do? Where could you go um, to to get a little bit more help or some support? Or just, you know, talk to someone else about it that that has been through it um, and can offer advice. Yeah, so the website is an excellent resource. It's got loads of links to support and resources called Maternal OCD. And like I said, we'll link it. But, but also your midwife, if you don't feel like you can open up to your name midwife for whatever reason, you know, it's like everything at work. There's always somebody that you don't want to talk to. You, yeah. you can ask to speak to someone else. Um, you could speak to your GP if you have a good relationship with your GP. Um, you can also self-refer to something called talking therapies. It's called something different all around the country. It might be called IAPT, Time to Talk. Um, but if you were to look up IAPT, so IAPT um, on Google, it'll tell you where your local service is. And that's like a talking therapies type CBT type um, service. And that's self-referrals. You don't even have to wait to see a GP or midwife. You could refer right away. Being pregnant, you get accelerated to the top of the list. So you should ideally get a phone call and start something like CBT within four to six weeks. Ideally, COVID has impacted the waitlist a little bit, but it's not a terribly long waitlist. Um, and then if you start to access those services and they realise actually you need something a bit more dedicated and more, more specialised, like a perinatal psychologist, for example, or maybe if you need a little bit of medication to tie over until you get well again, um, then they can refer you to a perinatal mental health team. Um, so it's almost like a safety net. Um, so if you felt like, oh, I couldn't talk to my midwife or I couldn't talk to my GP, talking therapies, I is a really good first step to try. Um, and like I said, the maternal OCD has got really good links to helplines and support on there as well if you want to get advice. I think I think that's really important um, to acknowledge that there's there's different levels for everybody. Um, mm. And, you know, in these services, these maternal mental health services, there is a variety and a real range of options and treatments to to suit every woman and, and, and birthing person out there who might just want a little bit of support or might need a bit more. And the overview that you have given into all of it, I think, will have opened a lot of people's eyes to what what is available. Because I think sometimes um, people might think there's a bit of a drop off, you know, post once you've been discharged from your midwife. Um, you know, I, I'm talking from experience in COVID, you sort of feel like um, there's there's a bit of a gap and you're not really sure who the best person to go to is um, or where to get advice and support but you've really um, you've highlighted the best ways to do that so I think um, I think that would be really important for a lot of people listening and just to make others aware that there are there are services available um, at all levels across London. Yeah and I before COVID, there was this great app called the Hoop app, H-O-O-P. Oh, my God. It saved my life when I had my son because <laughs> I could put in my postcode. It would tell me where there was a baby group on. It would tell me where there was something. I'd put dry shampoo in my hair and I would go, <laughs> you know, even on the days of like very little sleep because it's the best thing ever. But it's also the most hard, difficult, isolating thing at times. 
Um, so I think we can all agree on that. I think we're all oh my gosh, vigorously, yeah. definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I feel like we can't all look like Beyonce every day, but you can <laughs> get out of the house. Um, and I think that's still really important, even post COVID. So there's obviously on your website, you've got really good links to peer support that's available around London. And I think finding the right group for you. So I think one thing I haven't mentioned that's really important, obviously, those listening to this can probably understand or, or speak English, but services are available through interpreters. So if there's anybody that didn't speak English, that wouldn't be a barrier to accessing a maternal mental health service or perinatal mental health service or talking therapies. There's also groups that are more targeted to women. Like in South London, we've got a Spanish-speaking mums group. Um, there's also um, the motherhood group for, for black women. There's lots of different groups that you could find out in your local area that it's helpful to kind of reach out and see, oh, I want to find something that's going to kind of help me get through this joyous but, oh, my goodness, difficult <laughs> journey of motherhood. Apparently. I think that's I think that is something that kind of we would echo again is that um, it's really good to look local and see what is you know nearest to you and available to you because there will be you know you just mentioned loads that you know there will be those groups out there um that aren't far that you might not even know about um and we will link all of the groups that you said again to this um Chelsea would you want to add anything to the end of that or highlight anything else that Laura has mentioned yeah definitely I could talk to you both I mean motherhood <laughs> brings lots of conversation doesn't it um but yeah it, it is just echoing that um and I think echoing that sometimes when you're sitting there and you know something just isn't right um and you know some people may say it's tiredness you just need a nap it's this or that but you know Meg and I have talked about this a lot that there is this real self-worth to it like you you really are worth feeling your best um and and the the, the hardest part is is going to this first step um we hope we provide this with enough support and links and local groups that that you do feel comfortable you know taking that in that step because you you are really you are really worth going to get help but I absolutely appreciate that overwhelming feeling of that is just one more thing I have to do um but I hope these podcasts and the couple we're going to do really help you know you're not alone um I know we've talked about intrusive thoughts today and just different aspects of, of perinatal um, mental illness or, or not feeling your best but there's there's lots of places that you can go and 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 that will make you feel not alone I guess is my point point. Um, and we hope that these podcasts and talking to Laura and other healthcare professionals really show how much support is out there and how much it can be adapted to be exactly what you need it, it could be at a very low level or a very high level but you're definitely just just worth it to to go get that support. Definitely. And and Laura, if you're, you know, if there's someone listening um that thinks, okay, I I'm gonna do something now. Um I, I want to speak to someone a little bit more about this and maybe access some of, you know, the the amazing sounding therapies, support, help, offers and guidance are available. What what would be their their first step? What should they do first? It depends on where they are in their journey. So if they're pregnant, please speak to your midwife 
almost every trust. I know in England and Wales and Northern Ireland and Scotland, I think we have 160 specialist mental health midwives now, which is incredible because we definitely didn't have that um, seven years ago. So you could speak, to, ask to speak to a mental health midwife. You could ask to speak to your GP. If you've given birth, speak to your health visitor. Um, reach out to the IAP Talking Therapies. Find a local group. There's there's so many little groups that are going around. Access the website that you guys have created, which is amazing with all the peer support links there. Um, yeah, and just you are not a bad mother. You will get better. Um, and just ask for help. I think I think that you are not a bad mother. Just ask for help. I think that is a perfect statement to end on. Um, because uh, that I think that that will really resonate. Um, so Laura, thank you so much for your time and all of your knowledge in explaining um, the differences uh, in midwives, in services, the support available, um, and to Chelsea for her knowledge, expertise, and insight. Um, I think, I think, and I hope this will help um, a lot of women. So. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.